0: Welcome back to the Hooked On Podcast. We've been away for a few weeks, but it is absolutely fantastic to be back with you. I, as you obviously know, am so dev Rob, uh, talking to you today from uh, South Devon, and joining me on the phone is my
1: old pal, Norlinks Paul. How you doing, Paul? I'm good, Rob. You know, I've missed our little chats for the last two weeks tempered by the fact that I was sitting in 38 degree heat in Portugal but yeah, you know, yes, nonetheless it was it was a bit weird not having you on a Wednesday Thursday
0: night yeah I thought you might drop that in there did, did I get that right by the way are you North Lincolnshire is that right not where you are now but where you come from originally <laughs> <and> in Grimsby? <laughs> Dude, that's close enough close, close enough okay well there's a very good reason why I'm doing these rather uh, childish uh, opening here it's because uh, I'm very excited about the guests we have with us this week I'm very happy to chat to her for the for the first time here on the Hooked On podcast, and there's a special reason why she's on, which we'll explain very shortly, but please welcome our guest, SoCal Val. Val, how are you doing?
2: I'm great, great. Good to hear from you guys, and I love that you kind of teased a little, a little something. I'm intrigued, and I hope that the listeners are intrigued as well. Ooh la la. What Indeed. are we going to tell them?
0: Uh, we'll get to it very, very sh- shortly, but... Um, <laughs> Obviously, uh, I'm just trying to play around with the the South Devon, the North Lincolnshire thing, because obviously SoCal, Southern California. But you're, you're, I believe, basically British Val these days. It's a bit, a bit different. So uh, without giving anyone too much information, so they can uh, find you out there. What, what part of Britain are you living in these days?
2: Uh, I'm near London, and I've been visiting London. Um, you know different parts of of England doing appearances but mainly London Uh, for years my sister is here my brother-in-law and you know I've been visiting for years as a tourist and I've always loved British culture so how funny that uh, that I end up uh, you know coming here to live I I now I get engaged in December so um, yeah I'm all loved up and in England and and getting used to the culture and everything about it and it's really really great and honestly people always have this discussion on Twitter with me I love the weather you know I've lived in hot places my whole life I am thrilled to be wearing jackets and have an umbrella and be wearing berets like I love it so I get made fun of that about that a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> well your timing is good because me and Paul have both not separately I should point out I've spent the last uh, week or two in Spain and Portugal respectively in 30 odd degree heat so uh, we were uh, quite miserable <laughs> to be back in England and uh, back to the, uh, the drizzle but it's nice to know it's appreciated from someone from uh, such exotic climes as yourself um, mm-hmm. We, um, As I said, we we're uh, really happy to have you on the podcast today and it's, uh, it's because, and uh, I'll let, I'll, let hand, I'll hand over to Paul to uh, explain in just a second but uh, you're now part of the Hooked On team, we couldn't be happier
1: Paul, um, talk, talk about our new signing Well, it's quite a celebrity signing isn't it actually Rob? I'm absolutely delighted um, to say, Bal and I have been talking for a little while but she had a prior engagement uh, when we did the last party for WrestleMania I can't remember what it was, it was something to do with Orlando or something like that uh, yeah yeah I can't remember we' probably probably best not to talk about it but um <laughs> delighted that Vals agreed to come on board and host our Liverpool party
2: yes'm I'm, I'm so excited about this you know what I mean if you had told me years ago that I get to host an event where I, I you know my job per se is to watch wrestling and and discuss it and You know, crack jokes with everyone and just enjoy the evening and enjoy pay-per-views. It's really come full circle because I used to go to pay-per-views. I remember in Los Angeles when I first started watching wrestling. Well, I started watching in Florida when I lived in L.A., you know, hence the SoCal name. I was going to pay-per-view parties, and they were so much fun. And I just loved the atmosphere. That's the best part about wrestling is the camaraderie with other, you know, fans like yourself and, um, you know, you know, trading stories and, and, you know, talking about who's your favorite, what match you liked and why. So for me to be the host of this, is like, it's, it's a fangirl's dream. So I'm honored to, to be on board
0: terrific stuff yeah we're very happy to uh, to have you as part of it now I can tell you as I've, I've been hosting the uh, the London one for, uh, for a little while now so uh, I can tell you it's, it's not an easy job you know Val you, you've got a lot of, you've got a big standard to step up to me and various others but uh, are you up to the task I am
2: I'm definitely up for the task and the challenge and I think that you know, it's it's cool because I'm I'll be your token American for the evening, and at least you know what's what's exciting for me is at least I've I've been with a lot of these people before, a lot of the fans I've met, but a lot of the people that were watching, you know, in these pay-per-views in WWE, have, I've worked with for years. I consider really good friends of mine, so that's really exciting for me. And I always make sure that during hosting of events that I share some really funny stories about whoever's on screen and all that. So. I look forward to chatting with everyone and having a couple of drinks and just, you know, partying. This is going to be such a great party, and, and SummerSlam is just one of the biggest ones of the year. And, you know, I I did say on Twitter that I think we need to do some sort of a hula contest or something summery, so we'll work on that and see what we can come up
0: with. Well, uh, watch this space, everyone, up in the uh, the Northwest thinking of going to the Liverpool, that thing. Get your hula practice in now, because they're Val's going to be judging you on it uh, By the way, everyone in London that's coming No way am I hoolering. Okay, Just, uh, just, to, just, so, we, just so we clear the air on that one um, But um, obviously people have seen you uh, on TNA And various other um, uh, wrestling outlets over, over the period But um, you're no stranger to this This is not your first gig in terms of hosting things This is uh, something you're very comfortable with Tell us maybe a couple of uh, Some of your favourite experiences With doing something a bit similar Where you've been uh, sort of the host for the evening
2: yeah, well, thank you. I've, I've done quite a bit of hosting, and I think that's kind of my strength. I like to be, you know, on that side of things where, you know, you're the MC per se, or you're the announcer. And, and it's cool because just recently I was at Swindon Comic Con, and I was hosting the Q&A panel with, you know, several really amazing wrestlers. We had Tugboat, we had Bushwhacker Luke, we had Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and we had Harry Smith, um, you know, the British Bulldog son. And it was just a really cool panel because, other than harry you know harry's becoming a legend but these are legendary wrestlers and to, to get everyone's questions was really cool i love that fan interaction and the q a portion of that um i'm also going to be hosting london film and comic con coming up uh that's in end of july and that's something that i'll also be hosting panels for so i think hosting panels is a lot of fun but hosting events that are parties kevin nash shenanigans is my favorite part of the year it's through wrestlecon we were there this year with fight tv and the year before that and it's it's more it's similar to the Liverpool party because it's going to be you know there's going to be cocktails we we did a shot in honor of Kevin Nash and it's just one of those things everyone's partying everyone's having a great time everyone's relaxing and socializing and that's the beauty of having all the wrestling fans together and being able to really talk to someone because you know what when you do an autograph signing when you do certain events you you have only a limited time to be back to be in front of fans a lot of times you're backstage you're preparing or you're signing autographs and it, it's not really that personal but these pay-per-view parties are a way to really hang out with everyone and, and swap stories so for me that personal side of it's going to be really exciting to, to meet everyone
0: fantastic stuff Just quickly on the uh, Swindon um, event there Tugboat I worked with uh, Big Fred a couple of years ago when we had a um, I hosted the uh, the London Wrestling Convention that we had in for PSI events two years ago and the uh, possibly the nicest man i've ever met in wrestling a lovely fella and oh my gosh yeah i know he's been a bit uh, he's not been too well of late he's been a bit under the weather but it was great to see he came over here he must be feeling better is he uh, is he on top form again he
2: is indeed, and he was really one of the nicest. I, I met him briefly at conventions, just kind of introduced myself. But I never was really around him too much, and he was just so lovely. It's funny, one night we were actually, my fiancé and I were there, we were actually going to go out to a movie, and we met him in the lobby, and we only met him a few times, and he was like, oh, I'm going to this Italian restaurant, and I know the guy. We ended up going to this restaurant with him, skipping the movie, and just having such a great night with him and getting to know him and his past,
0: and, and he was just telling us these hilarious stories. He's such a sweetheart. He really is. He's an absolute, uh, an absolute star. Um, you just mentioned uh, in there uh, fight TV, and I want to bring everyone's attention uh, uh, all about uh, fight TV, your work with it, and um, just what it's all about. Because in this. You know, digital age. The WWE Network is uh, you know is very very prominent. New Japan World is a big thing as well for uh, people all over the world now that can uh, pick up their wrestling. But there's uh, there's so much more on Fight TV as well. That's F I T E. Everyone, um, Val, tell us yes. about how you're uh, involved with that and and why uh, people could be interested in Fight if they uh, if they don't know of its existence. Well, thank you for
2: bringing it up because it's something that I really am passionate about. You know, when when you get involved with certain apps or certain things, you know, I, I worry that people will just think I'm sort of Touting it because it's where I work, but this is such a cool app. When people are unfamiliar with with the app, or especially people that are unfamiliar with wrestling, that I meet, because um, shockingly enough, there are some people that don't watch wrestling. I know. Pause for shock. But when I meet people like that, I just try to explain it and I put it in simple terms by saying that Fight TV is sort of a Netflix of combat sports. So we are heavy on wrestling because you know my boss and I have a wrestling background. Um, but we have a lot of MMA, um, you know, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ, um, a lot of boxing. We've got the huge Canelo versus Triple G fight in September, which I'm thrilled about. So we're doing some really amazing things. And for being a company that's over um, just over a year old, we've done some really incredible things. Um, Ring of Honor is, you know, a huge client of ours. We've had a lot of UK wrestling. Um, some of that I don't want to say thanks to me. But because I'm the only employee that's over here, living over here, it's nice to be able to recruit promotions for fight um, and bring attention to, you know, some of the great talent that I'm seeing and getting to work with over here. A big one that I want to give a shout out to is Fight Nation UK. The tapings we just had um, about a month ago—they're now on Fight TV. They just had their debut, I believe, yesterday, and I'm going to be continuing working with them with Fight Nation UK. And you know, it, it's a real great asset to anybody around the world that wants to watch wrestling. Um, the, the biggest part about it to me is is the technology is above any other app that you've seen in terms of you know, if you want to watch something, if you have Wi-Fi you click one button and it appears on your TV there's no other app that does that and it really works out for me because when I do want to watch a Ring of Honor pay-per-view or whatever um, I can put it on my big screen, I can invite people over and make it at my own pay-per-view party, so if you haven't already yet, check it out, it's F-I-T-E um, I tweet about it quite a bit, and I'm their, you know, on-air presenter. I do a lot of exclusive interviews, and um, I help with their social media as well. So it's really something that especially wrestling fans are going to love.
0: Absolutely, it is. Uh, it is most definitely worth it. I have it. I uh, use it quite a lot, and it's. Um, it's just. It's nice. I always find it's nice to have a change and a break. I absolutely love WWE, and it is the big league. And. Uh, and it's great watching all the old stuff and all the current pay-per-views, but it's good to have a change and a and a little bit of a switch-up. So i often uh, I watch stuff on Fight TV and I watch the uh, the on-demand stuff on uh, Progress Wrestling and a little bit of all sorts of things. It's uh, mm-hmm. I think it's very good to uh, to have that. Um, you're someone that's worked in big companies, small companies. You agree with me in the sense that it's nice to have that kind of spectrum. I feel that there's sometimes there's quote unquote indie wrestling fans look down on the big stuff or there's only WWE only fans look down on everything else I tend to think that the best approach is to have a little bit of everything in your life a little bit like uh, the circus you went to this evening
2: yes exactly and and it's the pretty, pretty much like a circus but way better uh, with wrestling but um you know I, I totally agree with you you because I think that if you really do love something, why wouldn't you just support the industry as a whole? You know, some people will, and it's totally fine to have your favorites, I get that, but you know, yeah, you will meet people that say, Oh, well, I hated TNA or Oh, I hate WWE. And it's weird because I'll, I'll be at signings, and when I was with TNA, people would come up and go, Oh, I hate WWE. I only watch TNA. And I was like, You know, an employee of TNA, and I would think, and I would ask them, well, Why do you hate it? Like, you should probably just watch everything or you know thanks for watching but you don't have to hate anything else just to prove that you love impact or vice versa so i think you need a variety i think it's great to support everything you know at the end of the day wrestling is not a big enough genre to be picking favorites in that sense of oh i hate this company i only watch this there's so many great things out there but at the end of, like i said it's it's not a huge industry there's there's not that much to choose from in terms of you know it's not like You have a million football teams, whatever. Wrestling, you should support all wrestling, especially independents. And these are the guys that you're watching that are going to be in the WWE one day, that are going to be in Impact Wrestling or Lucha Underground or New Japan. So it's really, in that way, it's kind of special to watch independents because you never know who you're going to see that's going to make that progression into the big leagues. So I totally agree. I think variety is great to mix it up, and I think people should be careful to – you know, put down other promotions that are not the one they watch all the time. I think you need to be open and support all wrestling,
0: really. Most definitely, and the good thing is these days is that um, WWE possibly uh, via NXT as much as anything but we have seen so many um, people that 10, 15 years ago would probably have had their career stagnate, but these days WWE's doors are much more open. So everyone from your Seth Rollins to Finn Balor to, you know, to various others that have been at different stages of the indies are getting these chances now. And I want to talk about someone quickly that's um, going to be. It looks like main eventing uh, a pay per view coming up soon. Not Summer Slam, it seems. But boy, we, we never know. We'll see how he gets on. But um, mm-hmm. you must, be, you must, I imagine, be uh, chuffed to be seeing Samoa Joe in the position that he's in against Brock Lesnar coming up soon, Val.
2: I am, and I'm so thrilled for him. Um, I was, I attended a lot of NXTs when I was in Orlando. And, you know, that's kind of my hometown. I know it's so SoCal, but I've lived the most in Orlando. And when I was visiting, you know, these NXT tapings and stuff, I had no—I don't know if I knew actually, but either way, when he came out um, and made his debut, it was crazy because the, the, the Tron, if you will, said SoCal on it and everyone kinda looked at me or well, like people in my group and they were like, What? And I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. And then Joe came out and it was just so cool because Joe is obviously very much more SoCal than I. You know, he's from Huntington Beach and that area. And he's just he's stayed so true to his, his character and he, I'm just so proud of him for for being, you know, unequivocally Joe. He's just he's just Joe and he's somebody that you can't duplicate. He's very original, very exciting, very intense. And that's what he's always been and he always will be. And I'm so thrilled to see Joe being Joe in
0: WWE. Well, hopefully I, I was uh, I was a bit presumptuous there, assuming that he's gonna to lose to Pot Lesnar, but you never know, he may be the uh universal champion by the time we get into um into SummerSlam. But quickly on that, um, over to you, Paul, just briefly. Um if people are looking to come to the the show in Liverpool uh, to see Val hosting, or indeed me in London, or what are the one of the other fantastic venues you've got, tell us about the fact that we are now into double figures. Or SummerSlam venues hooked on wrestling hooked on events everyone 10 different venues across the UK for SummerSlam coming up I'm not going to ask you to go through all the details Paul we'd have to have a 5 hour long podcast but at least give us the 10 cities and how people can get involved and buy their tickets
1: it's a little bit overwhelming isn't it you know I know we bang on about this all the time but we started with one party in London in a crappy little bar with 60 people there and now we're doing 10 parties around the UK. Um just haven't got my head around it but we will be in uh, we're going to be in London as per. We are going to be back, uh, we're going to be in Bournemouth for the first time. Um, we're also going to be in Derby for the first time and Sheffield for the first time. So we're really excited to be going to those three new cities. There, all, all four of those are going to be walkabouts. Then we're going to be doing our usual loop of shooters venues. That'll be Cardiff, Liverpool with Val, uh, Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham, and Nottingham. Wowsers.
0: 10 different venues you're going to be a busy man over the next few weeks my friend what with the uh, uh, the Bruce Pritchard tour and everything as well but how can um, how can people uh, get their tickets and indeed give us uh, give us some plugs for the social media so they can go and find information that way
1: sure you can get all your info on uh, facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling um, also check out Uh, Twitter um, HO underscore wrestling where we put on quite a bit of stuff there too Um, if you want to go and buy your tickets direct there's really two main ways of doing it you can go to our website hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store you can find them all there as as well as the tickets for our Bruce Pritchard tours coming up next month Um, uh, or you can go to ringsideworld.co.uk search for hooked on and find them there that wasn't bad was it considering it's quite a long list that's very good mate you've had, a, you've had a break as well I think you've been practicing I can see you walking around the pool in
0: Portugal just reciting to yourself Derby Sheffield Bournemouth, London, Liverpool <laughs> just trying to get it off pat, just walking around annoying people over and over again, it's a good job you work for yourself isn't it um, just uh, one last thing uh, on all of that um, we've not announced all of our hosts yet but there's some uh, some announcements to come, you'll see them first on social media um, without giving too much away maybe there's a couple that you've already announced that I've missed but uh, there's a few that are still to come so um, some, uh, some interesting names that we've got lined up for some hosting duties
1: Yeah, there's a few good ones coming out. So, you know, obviously we're we're delighted to have Val. We're also going to have Doug Williams in his hometown of Reading. Um, Some geezer is doing London. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's pretty decent. (laughs) I have a 10-year contract. You can't shift me. (laughs) We have got um, the... Let me think. So, come on, mine's gone blank. So, we've got Ben Brown in Leeds. We've got the lovely Joanna Rose in Birmingham. Joanna is the um, Evolve ring announcer, for those in the know. Uh, We have got a super surprise guest in Nottingham that I'll hopefully be able to reveal on Friday, probably by the time this podcast is out. And we are absolutely stoked to be uh, going to Derby with one Mark Haskins. Another guy who was in Orlando for WrestleMania, wrestling under the WWE banner Access. So from Access for WrestleMania to Hooked On for SummerSlam. What a what a what an upward progression that is.
0: Um, <laughs> g- good for him, and that's that's a great get. Mark's a, Mark's a terrific fellow, and a great not only a great talent, but a uh, a great guy as well. I'm very, very proud of the, the steps he's made over the years and it's fantastic to have him on board. We've had some um, some great names uh, working with Hooked On and they keep on coming. Um, we'll be uh, talking a little bit more about that perhaps uh, later on in the podcast but um, uh, back to our guest um, Val, we've just been talking about some SoCal stuff there. You, you, your own name and Samoa Joe's t-shirt and whatnot. but for us um, that aren't so much in the know over here in uh, in Britain, what is, the, um, what is SoCal Val? What is the character? How did it evolve? How did it come about and what is the, the importance of the the Southern Californian uh, gimmick? Well, I think it's
2: funny because if you really know, you know, Southern California, we refer to it as SoCal, but a lot of people around even the country of America don't understand what that means exactly because when I came to Florida a lot of people didn't understand it and then going to different countries people really don't know what it means so I've I've had it mispronounced many times but you know if you live there and you're familiar SoCal it's just something that you say and you know I did my first show and they uh, obviously they asked me who my influences were and Stephanie Stephanie McMahon is still my favorite uh, most influential person um, that I've ever emulated and and looked up to and and loved her work so um, I really did try to do sort of a a Stephanie McMahon, Miss Elizabeth, Missy Hyatt hybrid of a character with some sunny sexiness kind of in there. And uh, if I could put it <laughs> in a weird way. Um, but it's funny. So when they, they came up with the name, uh, they said, oh, my friend, oh, that's funny. You could be SoCal Val because, you know, the name Valerie. And I think they thought the name Valerie was very, you know, uh, fancy, rich B word, if I can say that. Um, you know, so they they thought it was a great thing to sort of have that rhyming. And then when I went to Florida, not long after, my first show my first show was three days after my 16th birthday 2002 in Anaheim for GSCW also on the show was Joey Ryan and Frankie Kazarian so they're probably like two of my oldest friends in wrestling and um yeah when I moved to Florida everyone kind of wanted to keep it even the ones that didn't understand what it meant they just thought it was cool to have one kind of one word sounding name and then TNA surprisingly wanted to keep it too which I thought was really interesting but I feel lucky in the sense that I've been doing this for over 15 years and still have the same name so with Valerie Wyndham I use it a lot of times for modeling or when you know when a nickname or a, a gimmick name doesn't really make much sense but um, and people a lot of people don't know this but I na- you know using the name Valerie if you ever look at my Facebook and certain things it's Valerie Elizabeth Wyndham So Valerie was a little bit like Stephanie um, which was not chosen for me but you know it worked because I thought it sounded a little bit like Stephanie uh, Elizabeth I named you know gave myself a middle name because of Miss Elizabeth and then Wyndham I chose the last name Wyndham because of the Wyndham Hotel chain because of the Missy Hyatt. Hyatt Hotel chain. So I really put my three characters there into the name, which is a little excessive and and uh overdone. But I thought it was kind of a nice tribute, and even even if just to myself, that I knew that's why I did it. So um yeah, those are my influences. And when I did my first show, they said, you know, watch watch tapes of of catfights of Francine and Don Marie that's we want you to be like, and I love both of them to this day, and I love that that was kind of my direction, and now people like be offended by that because they think, oh, well, those are just ballets and they weren't women wrestlers. I always say in every interview, I never wanted to become a wrestler. I've done it a handful of times, but I was thrilled to be sort of given the homework to look at those sort of girls and when I was watching on my own merit, I was watching Tori Wilson and Stacy Keebler and Trish when she was a manager, and I loved those types, the Stephanies. I didn't want to be a Lita. I always wanted to be a Stephanie. So, um, yeah, and that's, that really hasn't changed. My character has gone through some things, but it's always been the same Uh, you know, hotel heiress, spoiled brat, whether heel or face in a way. So it's, it's been cool to have
0: consistency. I enjoyed you taking us through your name there in the sense that uh, I bet there was a, a lot of listeners there going, well, Barry Windham was a great wrestler, but she doesn't resemble Barry Windham at all. And then it turned out to be right. a hotel chain, which was a, a great relief to us all. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but um, okay, we, we, uh, you've taken us through a, a little bit of your sort of origins in the, in the business, but, but I, I actually didn't really realize that um, you were just 16 when you uh, made your debut and stuff without being... Uh, uh, too sordid about the wrestling business uh, being a 16 year old girl in the wrestling business must have been an interesting thing was it a, was it a bit nervy getting, in, getting into the business so early did you have any sort of bad times because of it um, you know
2: my mom always said if you if this business changes you I will yank you right out and she always you know was I, I was raised by a single mom and she was just somebody who was very adamant about it not changing my character about me remaining a good girl and having a good, you know, good head on my shoulders and Um, you know, the only thing that I dealt with, I was so nervous on my first show, I remember my mouth being really dry and just being really shaky and really nervous. And that's because I cared so much. I cared so much. I wanted to do a good job so well, you know, so much. And I just, I was so nervous to like let anyone down. And I just, I wanted it so bad. I wanted to be in wrestling more than anything. So, uh, you know, I was nervous for those first few shows for that reason. Um, But, yeah, I mean, my mom was very adamant about it not changing me. You know, I was 16, so just barely 16. I mean, literally, my first show was three days after my 16th birthday. So my friends were with me. I had a couple friends who I'm still friends to this this day. They were a little older than me, so they kind of would take me to shows and drive me to shows and be there with me as sort of, you know, in a way a chaperone, I guess. But they were my friends, so that worked out well. Um, The only thing I really dealt with uh, that wasn't cool was I think a lot of people – for, for many, many years, probably most years, sometimes still, is that I think, maybe not anymore, but thank God, but I think being a, a young girl and you're playing sort of a sexy ballet character or whatever, I think they just assume that you're in there for the wrong reasons and all you have to do, you know, and I give girls advice a lot of times, it's like, if you just keep remaining, you know, focused on what you want to do and treat everyone with respect and, you know, don't take any BS from the boys and, you know, hold your own and if they try to rib you and at least a... A a, a harmless way You got to kind of take it But you don't let them Push you around You know You're going to get respect And you're going to have longevity If people realize You are there for the right reasons You're not trying to sleep With someone's husband You're not trying to You know you get not accused Maybe verbally But you know I've been I remember doing a show When I was like 18 In Florida and I was managing a, a promoter, and the promoter, like, left during the show, and he was in his office, and there was some fight with his wife, and I was like, what the hell's going on? I later was told that she was mad that he had a, you know, he had a valet with him, and I thought, what the hell, like, you know, just things like that, that, you know, being, being a girl, you just, you know, a young girl, and you're in sexy outfits, a lot of times... You know, you're you're misinterpreted, and your your reasons for being there can be misinterpreted. But the only thing that you can get past that is just by remaining to be a, a good person, and and just wanting to be there to contribute, not to get involved with drama or, you know, dating wrestlers or what have you. So not that I haven't dated wrestlers because come on, it's real life. But at the same time, I'm saying you know, keep your eye on the prize, and and you got to be really careful about, um, you know. Getting respect from the guys because the only thing that's going to do that for you is if you have longevity and they're going to go, wow, this girl's still here. She's still lasted and she's not involved with drama. She's not, you know, partying too much or she's not doing any of that stuff that would potentially derail her from her focus and goals of being in a big company and all that. So um, I think I've done pretty, pretty well. And I, I have a lot of friends in this business that I hopefully would, <laughs> that would back me up on that. That um, I grew up in this business, but I really have learned a lot. And um, yeah, it's just crazy to think about that I started so young because I'm now 31 and I look back and I'm like my gosh I was I can't imagine like if I had a 16 year old if she said oh let's go into wrestling I think I would keel over <laughs>
0: <laughs> Now this is, this is the point Paul when uh, in, in a previous life of mine when I was working for a tabloid newspaper I'd now pick mm-hmm. up on the fact that Vala just said that she's dated people in the wrestling industry and be a complete scumbag and try and get an exclusive <laughs> I don't have to do that anymore I can be a nice person and we can move on which is, uh, which is lovely but you, what, <laughs> oh, some... you know Something else that you can tell us off air. Well, there was, there was something that um, that, you, that you did mention in there, which was about never wanting necessarily to to be a wrestler. But there have been times where you've had to go with a bit of um, a bit of physicality on that side. I'm fairly certain I might have this wrong, but I'm fairly certain I can remember a black hole slam at least at one point in your uh, in your career where you've had to get involved in something like that. Wh- when that happens, when there's a bit of more physicality and, and the things that you get involved with, um, first of all, I assume there's been a, a bit of training in your background so you can uh, you can at least cope with that kind of thing. But Secondly, is there a little bit of... I don't want to say that you're trying to do it for, for for credibility, but are there times where you do something like that and other people that may have you sort of written off for the wrong reasons may go, wow, fair play to her, she's joining in on that sort of level? Because I imagine there are people that you know could, if they wanted to be nasty, just write you off, but I imagine that that might sort of bring them back and have a bit more respect. Is that fair?
2: Um, it is, and it's a really good, good point and a very good question, which I've, I've never really had that question or point brought up in any interview so kudos to that because thank you yeah it's interesting because to be honest and as you as you were asking the question i had to really think i didn't ever do any i did not ever do any bumps because i thought that it was going to get me respect and all that i did them because i what i like i actually prefer you know doing matches it's just not my thing I, i don't enjoy being a wrestler i never have it hurts it's hard work it's just you know it's not my i'm not athletic i don't find it like there might be a moment in a match where I felt kind of like, wow, I'm empowered. this is cool. But it's just not for me. I just didn't like it at all. Um, but doing you know taking a bump like the Blackpool slam or you know being in a, in a managerial role and then you have to be in a mixed tag for like one night or you have to take one move because it's so shocking or you have to do a cat fight and then it gets kind of physical and that's shocking. It's when it's to do with a storyline and it helps you know advance a storyline, I'm thrilled to do it. Um, but if it doesn't make any sense, you know that doesn't—that's not something that I'm willing to do, or really was ever willing to do. It has to make a lot of sense. But um, I will say though, that, and, and going back to your point, when I did do certain bumps, you know, my early days, in a way, yeah, I started in SoCal, but my most formidable years were working in Florida around 2002 to 2004, or so you know, until TNA or, or Impact. But um, you know, those were the years that I was really, really learning and, and getting respect. And yeah, I, I did go to a school to to learn to take bumps. Um, you know, for I don't know how many weeks we went. Funnily enough, uh, Seth Petrozelli who's now with WWE, he was an MMA guy. He was in the class that got right, got out right before mine, and that's how I've known him for that many years. It's really funny how everything comes full circle. But I digress. So. Um, when I would do these bumps yeah I think people really did respect me and all the guys would you know come back and say oh my god value this girl's you know however old I was 17 18 and she's willing to do that I took a pile driver granted looking back I don't know if I would have been taking pile drivers but you know I took some really amazing moves from like Scoot Andrews and some really respected and people that I love and respect to this day people that I trust and, and that's the only reason I did it because I trusted them with the move I knew I'd be safe um, and it made sense for the storyline but yeah you do get a lot of respect and I think people kind of went oh you know, this girl's not here because she only wants to parade around or she thinks she's gonna be famous this girl really loves wrestling and knows that this is what the fans you know will make them you know on the edge of their seat so I think yeah there's a level of respect that comes with it but I never really did it to gain that because without sounding horribly um, indelicate I, I'm not somebody who really I care everyone cares what people think but I always knew that I, I'm very centered in, in what kind of a person I am I knew I was there for the right reasons and it, it sucked and people didn't realize that but it didn't really it never really bothered me that much to, to, to need to prove anything, if that makes sense.
1: No, absolutely. absolutely. Go ahead, Paul. So, yeah, Val, I'm interested. A bit of a, bit of a change of pace, but if you had to pick one moment over everything else that you've done in your career, what would, what's the highlight for you, either individual moment or story or whatever, whatever you see as the best thing you've ever done in wrestling?
2: What comes to mind immediately would be the heel turn from Jay and Sanjay, just because that was on the biggest scale, Um, and and because I was always a heel on the Indies, so that must have been in, I don't know, maybe 2009 or 10, I think and I was you know doing shows consistently since 2002 and I was I mean 90 percent of the time always a heel so to play that with I loved the storyline with Jay Lethal I loved especially that we got to do a tribute to Miss Elizabeth and and Mr. Savage but um I think it's really cool that it ended up being a love triangle because what I loved about wrestling and my favorite storyline possibly ever was Stephanie McMahon and Triple H and Kurt Angle's love triangle which I've talked to Kurt many times about and you know I loved that I loved that she was Kind of in the middle of this torrid, torrid love affair, and and you know, and it was just something really exciting to me as a girl, as that to have that female character to look up to, and 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 you know, because that's it's soap opera aspect is what drew me. It was kind of like, wow, what's going to happen next? And it's so funny that number one, it was a love triangle, which I love that about wrestling, and I love the theatrics of that. And number two, it was honoring someone who I loved and looked up looked up to in Miss Elizabeth. But the heel turn for me was kind of like, kind of like, okay, now I can be myself. What everyone who never saw me on in the indies. they had no idea that when I I think of SoCal Valley, I sign my name with a dollar sign for a reason, I think of the, you know maybe we'll have to edit this, the rich bitch character, and I think of exactly what I was with Sanjay and and it was so cool to finally do that moment and I always laugh about the fact that if you go back and watch it the second that I make that turn I sort of adjust my hair and then I do this big You know, it's like lips closed, but like this big smirk, and it's such a Stephanie McMahon-esque smirk that I tried to perfect over the years, and not to be a carbon copy, but just to have that kind of that B-word, you know, character. And I loved that moment, so for me, it was sort of a long time coming. So to become a heel was great, and I mean, any other moments in wrestling that stand out would be just—I mean, not to sound sappy, but just to sign with a big company when I was 18—that's huge. And to be there for nine years, I mean, who else can say that they did that? So for that, I'm proudest of. But if you think about specific moments and particular matches and things like that, that for me was just the holy
0: grail <laughs> first of all i want to thank you for um suggesting that we could uh we could edit that little bit where you said uh, the b word i'm going to tell you something we had none other than mr <laughs> Jer- jeremy borash on the podcast the other week and he f bombed here on the hooked on podcast so uh, oh no you, jb so J, would you would you think of it with someone like jb but anyway he thinks he's a wrestler these days anyway so we'll uh, we're not quite sure about what's going on in his yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to take the follow up in fact not to sound too much like a, a fanboy on wrestling here, but I can say that was 2008. That angle, and the reason yeah. I can the reason I can remember it is because uh, I went to Bound for Glory 2008 uh, in Chicago, um, and it was the first uh, first Bound for Glory. I went to Bound for Glory uh, 2008 and 2009 working for for the Sun as I was working for at the time, and I, I have a, an interesting little story about it, which was that. Um, so the the, the the breakup had happened your heel turn had happened and uh, I was there doing some interviews and uh, I, I was at the time uh, a big Jay Lethal fan, fan. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. his black machismo uh, gimmick uh, it was a lot of fun and I'm still a big fan of his he's still doing some great work uh, in Ring of Honor and elsewhere but um, the problem was was I got set up with an interview I, in fact I think I requested it because I was a big fan of his and I got set up with an interview with him and he stayed in character now these days I mean this is you know Seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, but even you know, even in, it was—it's not the easiest for us that are covering wrestling from a different side of things. It's not the old Aptomag, so it was a—it was a bit of a difficult interview because I couldn't get him out of the character. But midway through, <laughs> midway through, when he was—he was just coming out of it a little bit—you walked in. I don't know if now I can't remember if you were doing an interview with someone else or what was going on, but you came in the room and out out it all came and he was like I don't want I can't do a Macho Man impression but it was all about don't make me go over there and I don't want to see her and it was like okay oh my god I love that that's the coolest thing you could
2: tell me I'm happy (laughs) to hear that
0: I remember it being a, a very trying 10 minutes for me trying to get an interview which I really couldn't use I wish I had a podcast then I didn't have a podcast at the time otherwise I could have recorded it and it had been so much more fun we could have stayed in the gimmick but at the time it didn't really work for me but yeah but you, you walking in was the, the moment that really sort of topped it off and uh, he went full on but I, I've got a lot of time for, for, for Jay I'm not uh, giving him some stick because of that but uh, yeah one of my less auspicious interviews oh
2: that's so funny I'm, I'm, I could just have an entire podcast about how proud I am of Jay Lee and what a wonderful, wonderful human being Jay Lethal is. Um, but he's just—I mean—he's absolutely brilliant. And I think it's cool because he was so wonderful in TNA, but then now his ROH, you know, career has just been so incredible. And I got to interview him for Fight TV. Like it was—he had been in ROH for quite a while, but it was still kind of early-ish. And I remember thinking, like, I just asked him to do a couple promos for, for Fight TV. You know, it was probably our, our beginning with ROH, and. I had seen him do promos before, but he just was so polished and perfect and, and advanced and, you know, didn't mess up anything and was just so... And the thing was, he was himself, which I wasn't as used to seeing, and it was just so impressive. He's absolute, absolute money. So, I mean, he's just absolutely amazing. And I say that as, as a fan of his, not just as one of his good friends, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy that we're still friends to this day, and, and I love him to death. So I'm just, again, could not be prouder
0: All those nice things to say about him, and yet you still turned on him and low blowed him. What a bitch.
2: Well, I mean, money's money. I mean, Sanjay, (laughs) did you see that ring? Did you see the size difference? Size difference matters in a lot of things, especially jewelry. We're just going to leave it at that.
0: Okay, that's absolutely fine. Um, (laughs) Here's a question for you, Paul. Here's a a trivia question Uh, What is Jay Lethal's um, home residence, or at least his build residence? I'm not sure if it's genuine or not. Oh my word!
1: Um, you are
0: asking, is it is it somewhere in New Jersey? It is New Jersey. Yeah.
1: Um, is it?
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. No, 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 no. I've I've never. I've, so I've always wanted to know this. This is a very, very sad question, but I'm hoping Val will be able to help me out. Is it? Is that is genuine? Is that where it's always been built from? Because he's from Elizabeth, New Jersey, and it fits so lovely into the whole black and thing. That's when I first noticed it that he was built from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Is that genuine?
2: I asked him that, and I believe he did say it was. I'm I'm like 90 percent. So yeah, because it's, it's his whole family was there, and they were all from yeah. I, I'm almost I'm almost positive. I mean he could have been working with me. I doubt it though. Yeah, it's, it sounds correct. And I this was years ago, but I'm almost positive it's correct.
0: Well, on which the is so aura- cute. On the Oracle, that is Wikipedia. It's down as uh, Elizabeth. So it's um, I just loved it as the little sort of meta detail in all that uh, all that story, which I loved, by the way. And um, we are going to be right. coming back to um the uh, the Macho Man very shortly because we're going to be playing our uh, best of times, worst of times, uh, feature, and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage uh, is our subject this week. But just before we we get onto that, I want to ask you one more question, um, Val, and it, and it really concerns the uh, the sort of state of wrestling today. It's been a very interesting. Uh, few weeks, um, few months really for the um, wrestling industry from a a female perspective. There was a big build up to money in the bank and how it was very breakthrough for uh, for the ladies to have their money in the bank match to get on an equal footing. Then there was some controversy about uh, the fact that uh, it had to be a man that went and got the briefcase and then uh, you know, there was some suggestion that that wasn't exactly the best follow-up. Following that, all three of WWE's major shows this week, Raw, SmackDown and NXT, have been main-evented by women's matches. And not gimmicks and not, you know, anything, any bells and whistles, but pretty credible uh, women's matches with good talent and with, with realistic storylines for getting there. Um, I don't want to sound too cliché, but as a, as a female in the wrestling business, um are you more broadly positive than negative on how the portrayal is these days? Because it does seem to vary, but I think overall, I think there's a lot of positive strides to be made. Do you think that's fair?
2: It is and, and I'm definitely very positive on it. I don't understand or necessarily agree with the James Ellsworth. I'm not really a big fan of his work to be honest. I mean, I don't with with no disrespect to him, I don't know him personally, but I don't really care for that his character and him at all. Um <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, I think you won't Whatever. find a lot of disagreement <laughs> there. Yeah. I don't enjoy it. I, I have to be honest. Like it, it's funny. I always say like after 30, I just became like. Well, if I don't enjoy something, I'm like, yeah, I don't enjoy it. That's it. Like, you know, it's a matter of opinion. And that, that podcast would be very boring if you were like, "Oh, I love everything." Something that really they don't resonate with me, you know.
0: Cool. Um, right. And, and you, you make sure you tell it. people, you make sure you tell people that in Liverpool. So, everyone in Liverpool when you come dressed up in your finery and you put all that effort into your gear, come in as dressed as a wrestler, if you don't look good, <laughs> she's going to tell you. Okay? Just yeah. be warned. That's oh, yeah. all I'm saying.
2: Expect brutality. That's that'll be the hashtag. <laughs> um, yes. yeah, Put that on it, the poster, Paul. <laughs> <pool. laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I
2: didn't love that. I didn't love the whole um, any involving a man at all. I, I, unless they were doing it for shock value, but I, I don't think it was in a good light. If, if that's why they did it, it was a little bit of a cheap move. I, I didn't really appreciate that. Um, I love Carmella too. So anyone that in, it hinders her at all or tries to, you know, take any of her shine away, I think she is phenomenal. I've been watching her in NXT for years, and she's just such has such star power, and I I tweet that a lot, but I think she's amazing. Really nice girl, too. I've met her several times, Um, which is also a bonus, you know, because you hate to be like, oh, they're amazing, and then you meet them, and you're like, okay. Uh, (laughs) Another one, a great one, I love Lana, and then I met her, and she is wonderful. Such a smart, sassy, sweet girl. I love her, too. So it's really cool that two of the ones that I love watching on TV now, I can say personally they're really cool. But, um, yeah, I I think it's the, it's the best time ever to be a female wrestling fan. Um, I think that the girls are doing a lot of amazing things. I do worry, like you, going back to your poignant question earlier about proving themselves, proving yourself, you know, against the guys or to the guys, I do worry that women's matches, they try to do too much and they kind of um, you know, almost try too hard and then end up getting injured or doing things that are dangerous because they they feel like they have to be as tough as the guys. And in a lot of ways they are tougher than the guys. But in the same vein, you know, women's bodies are different, um, and and it's just, you know, yeah, they can do a lot of the same things that guys do, but I think there's a lot of pressure if you're a female wrestler to live up to the standard of how tough the guys can be. Like, we don't want to see, or I personally don't want to see women's hardcore matches or Hell in the Cell. Like, I just, I, you know, whether that's sexist or not, I don't care. I personally would want to see it. But I think it's a great time to be a serious women's wrestler. The only thing I have uh, to say about it is I would never want to take anything away from the serious women's wrestling, which I respect and think it's great, but I personally always loved... The, the flash and the, you know, the pomp and circumstance and the pizzazz that the, the females had in, in terms of being sex symbols. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm somebody who loves to take, you know, lingerie and bikini photos. Do I think they should have bikini contests anymore? Not really. Do they need to have a gravy contest, you know, gravy boat match or, a you know... That, I mean, maybe in one sense, but see, in, in a way, like, I think some of that's kind of fun, and I think that when the girls are performing or they're doing, you know, even, maybe not gravy, but, you know, maybe an evening gown match or a bra and panties match, I loved those. The only time I ever wanted to wrestle was to do matches like that and, and strut around in lingerie and, and have it ripped off and be a sex symbol. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Tory. I wanted to be a Don Marie. Again, I never wanted to be a Lita. And I think there's room for both. And I think that's the only thing that I would tweak in wrestling right now when it comes to women is I I don't see any really female managers anymore. I don't see, you know, as many photo shoots from the girls. I just think there's room for both. And I don't think we need to take away from women's wrestling. Um, But I don't think that doing sexy photo shoots and things like that um, sets it back by any means. So I would just love to see a little more. A little more girly girliness like bring back the cat you know like come on just bring back the cat
0: <laughs> <laughs> i will say this is that um <laughs> here comes uh, the hate
2: mail <laughs>
0: <laughs> well they can they we'll, we'll, they can send it to us and we'll forward it on but um i will say this in terms of uh if that's the road that they were to go down and let's be let's be frank everyone the the wrestling audience is a broadly male audience so people will do things for um, for, for the best thing for the company at the time, for the money, etc., etc. That's why you got so much raunchiness during the Attitude Era when it was acceptable and, and WWE weren't worried about the uh, the advertisers. It made the money, so that makes some sense. If they were to go more down the route that you're saying, I would say the thing to do is as long as it's kept separate. You know, if you're going to have a, a lingerie match or whatever it is, it would need to be Lana and someone similar that weren't necessarily seen as Credible wrestlers. I think if you've got, you know, you, th- you think of someone like a, an Asuka down in NXT who just is an absolute, absolutely standout, my favorite in NXT right now. I think she's so good and one day she's going to step up and have great matches with Charlotte and Sasha and Bayley and whoever else. When that happens, I don't want to see the title defended in lingerie matches and pillow matches and that kind of thing to me that hurts the credibility of the of the wrestlers but i i tend to agree with you i wouldn't necessarily see a problem in terms of it actually happening if it was done in the right manner and it was going to draw money but as long as to me as long as the title wasn't involved and it wasn't too many of the more the more credible girls i think there's no way in the world that you're ever going to see finn balor versus samoa joe in one of those kind of matches so then why why should the the women's champion be but I think there is room I think ultimately let's face it it comes down to money doesn't it if it can draw money and it can be done tastefully and whatever then maybe it will be maybe it'll be back yeah
2: I agree and I, th- I just I, I don't I don't think we need to go back to the attitude era in the sense that you know bubble wrap and all that that silliness it got, it got very cheap uh, um for a while and ECW had had some great women's situations but they also had a lot of like you know ex-porn stars that kind of thing you know we don't need any of that but at the same time I would I would love like you know I remember what Stacy Kuebler was managing and then you know she'd get on the the, the table and do like a, a sexy dance It just it just took it out of it it, it lightens the mood it just kind of takes it out of it and you know it's, it's a predominantly male audience so give them a little something you know Come on. <laughs>
0: Even Miss Elizabeth at SummerSlam that time, eh? So it was, um, it, right. Uh, it was. Uh, been, was going a long, long way back. You know, not far off of uh, thirty years, I think we're talking there. But it was still in its right context. It, uh, it played into that finish, of course. Yeah. Um, you even. I don't know if you even realise this, but you're so in tune with us and in tune with the Macho Man theme that you even referred to pomp and circumstance in there, which of course is the name <laughs> of the uh, of the Elgar piece, which was used as the Macho Man's theme in WWE, which is oh, such a beautiful mm-hmm. segue. I think it's high time uh, we got on to talking about the best of times, the worst of times uh, of Macho Man Randy Savage. This feature, for those of you that are new to this, um, what we've been doing is looking at various different legends of the wrestling business. We've uh, who have we done so far, Paul? Give me some names that we've uh, we've covered. Wow, I'm hoping you're not going to give me an exhaustive list, but we. No, not exhaustive, had- but just a few.
1: Edge, Mick Foley. We've had Vader. We've had Lex Luger. We've done the Hardy Boys, Bret Hart. Um, probably a couple more I'm missing off there, but they were the highlights.
0: Yeah, no, we've we've done there, uh, we've done there uh, six or seven so far. I believe that's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. So what we're going to do is we look at their career sort of in some broad strokes, but essentially the, the main part of this is uh, Paul is going to pick a match of Macho Man's, I am going to pick a match of Macho Man's, and we are going to present them as the two choices for what match might represent Macho Man Randy Savage in a, let's say a fictional. Um, uh, time capsule of wrestling so if someone years to down the line were to say what's the match that best represents Match of Man, Randy Savage in the best light we're going to choose that one so Paul and I will each put forward something and Val is our guest judge this week so she is going to be well placed to decide which of our arguments is the one that goes forward but we'll also have a little chat about some other matches that uh, have missed the cut um, from our cho- choices, and even some of the, the more poor moments, because it's fair to look at a bit of a, a yin and yang of these things. So uh, we'll get onto that as well. But I don't think we'll be finding too many uh, down moments in the in Randy's career. And um, Paul, I think we're, we're on an odd number here, so I um an even number, sorry. So I think it's your, uh, I think it's you to go first. So because I, I went first last time, which I'm slightly regretful of here, because I have a horrible feeling you'll go about to pitch
1: the match that I would do if
0: I went first. But let's see. I certainly have
1: a back, I have a backup, so we'll see. I'm sure you've got plenty of backups because what I will say to you is I'll preface my choice by saying that hands down Randy Savage is my favourite wrestler of all time. Um, to me he encapsulates absolutely everything that it means to be a wrestler. He's got the, the in-ring skills he's got so much charisma so much that it just you know you, you always got the sense that the the, bo- the guy couldn't contain everything that he got it was incredible. He's got the razzmatazz the, the outfits he's got Everything he's just absolutely everything that a pro wrestler should be, and to me, uh, I've, I've never seen anyone better as a complete package. Um, so with that being said, like there's a bun- bunch of matches I could pick, and I almost feel like I'm a bit being a bit boring and a bit cheap by picking the obvious one, but if I don't, you will. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm gonna go with uh, with WrestleMania 3 and um, Savage Steamboat. Uh, the match really that, that did a number of things it, it put both of those guys on the map on a national level for one it put Wrestlemania on the map arguably okay that Andre Hogan was the, the marquee match there but Wrestlemania would it be in the form it was in if it was just sizzle and no stake? you know in terms of quality matches that was the best probably Well, certainly in the first nine Wrestlemania and, and one of the top five Wrestlemania matches ever still um, arguably the best um, such a great match, um, a brilliant story being told with Steamboat previously being injured by Savage, and it was proper sort of good guy versus bad guy, black versus white. Um, you had George Steele on the outside, um, bring a bit, you know, bringing a little bit of a wrinkle to it as well. Um, and it was just a proper pro wrestling match. I know it was uh, allegedly planned out to the nth degree, but it shouldn't matter as a viewer. I thought this was it it was one of the most historically important matches, the most important Intercontinental Title match of all time, and probably the best match of Savage's career. So for that reason, yeah, I'm picking Savage Steamboat WrestleMania three.
0: Are you really? That's a surprise. Right then, how do I how do I react to that? I tell you how I react to that. I'm going to pick a match that you're not going to expect me to pick here, Paul. You're going to expect me to pick something like uh, Savage versus Flair from uh, WrestleMania 8, which is obviously a great match and a great rivalry. You're going to probably expect me to pick um, Savage versus The Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania 7. What a great... St- if, we were, if we were picking story um, in terms of after-match stuff, then uh, certainly the little bit after that is one of the finest moments of anyone's career at WrestleMania. What a moment that was when Randy and Elizabeth got back together. However, I am going to choose, and I've thought about this quite a bit, I'm going to choose uh, WrestleMania 5 the main event, Macho Man vs Hulk Hogan. And it is not necessarily because it's a better match than yours. It's not Because necess- it's not. It's not a better match than the other two I mentioned either. But that story is one of the finest stories that's ever been told in the wrestling business. It didn't take a couple of months. It didn't take six months. It was well over a year in the making. And they knew where they were going. Building up to WrestleMania 4, when Randy Savage won the title in a in a tournament that Hulk Hogan was in and would not get through because of a draw with uh, Andre the Giant. From that moment, they knew where they were going with the Mega Powers. They had put them together as a unit. They had Hulk give Macho Man the rub at WrestleMania 4 by being at his side when Randy won. Then all the way along, they told little bits of the story where they gradually, gradually had a little bit more enmity where Macho Man echoing some alleged things of real life, started to feel jealous about Hulk Hogan's Um, relationship with Elizabeth. It was told beautifully, the explosion was done really well, and it built all the way up to WrestleMania where Hulk Hogan got his title back, and it was where the mega mega powers exploded on the biggest stage of all. And here's the thing I'll say about Randy is that you can look at his career, and much like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and some other greats of the wrestling business, they are not defined by necessarily by winning and losing. We've talked about this with various others, that a lot of their better matches they're losing. And that doesn't mean anything against their character, it just means that they were there to facilitate something at the time. I granted, the match you're talking about is losing as well, but Hulk Hogan is the biggest uh, star in the industry with the possible exception of Stone Cold for a few years there, and Macho Man playing a part in that at a formative early WrestleMania, I believe is a big deal. It's all about the payoff at the end. Macho Man and, and the Dragon Steamboat is a not a throwaway match. But it was—it is not necessarily a huge story in the history. It is a wonderful, beautiful match. But it is not about the story in that one. The story is in Savage versus Hogan. They're probably with their each other's most credible um, opponent, rival throughout their careers, maybe in and out of the ring. Uh, so for that, I'm going to choose Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania Five as my choice to go up against yours. We've both gone with WrestleMania marquee-level matches. Um, shortly, we're going to go over to you, Val, and ask you to uh, to pick between those two. Um, but before we do, are there any other ones that are in your mind that uh, we've we've left out that we didn't choose that uh, you feel at least could be in the conversation, even if it wasn't the uh, the ultimate choice?
2: Uh, no, because um, one of them, which I will not reveal, the one that I do want to pick as the winner is my personal favorite. and. I'm gonna I'm gonna go at these matches like this. First, well, let me let me give you a little backstory and and one little quip. I just love that um, in no other industry can we say that between two men he gave him the rub, and we totally think it's fine. Um, <laughs> <that's not> I <him. laughs> just I just want to pause and just tell you guys that we're in an industry right now that none of us even batted an eyelash. At least not, not <laughs> me at first. And then I went, wow. Just think about our lives right now. Um, <laughs> so yay for that uh I, I i love the story you know and i love the fact that this elizabeth's involved in the mega powers i love i love a storyline driven anything and that's what got me into wrestling you know that's something that with all due respect like a wonderfully beautifully technical match some of my favorites being you know benoit versus angle their feud oh my gosh great example of you know a lot of passion and some storyline but mainly just good just good wrestling is is what for me i probably prefer more of a storyline usually um, but I have to say that, uh, that Paul's pick is I have to pick that one for, for a winner and for my personal favorite, and I'll tell you why. Because meeting wrestlers and talking to wrestlers over the years, there's one thing that I've noticed is a recurring theme. If you ask any wrestler ever what their, who their favorite wrestler is, who, who influenced you the most – you will hear no other answer more than Bret Hart. They love Bret Hart. Bret Hart was every wrestler's favorite wrestler. Every wrestler that I've ever met has said that they wanted to be Bret Hart. They, you know, he's the most impressive wrestler to, to wrestlers um, to me, that I, in my opinion, in the world. And I love some technical matches um, of his, I love uh, a match that's driven on skill and, and just impressive in-ring ability. You know, I always go back to Kurt Angle and Benoit. Their feud was amazing. And But I personally love storyline-driven matches. I love a story. I love things happening for a reason. I love a build-up. And, and I love how you described the mega powers and, and having Miss Elizabeth there involved. I think that is, in a way, my personal choice. But I have to go with Paul's match because that particular match is one of my favorites and it's the match that i've heard of from more wrestlers since i started in this business than any other that is the that is the match that i think has spawned more wrestlers becoming you know getting into this business than any other match and i mean i think for a match that's that iconic that has inspired so many young guys to get into this business and they wanted to emulate what they saw in that particular match it's always that match people bring up i think it's it has to be that that I pick as, as my favourite even though I don't want to pick a favourite between you guys but I think that one is just unmissable, it's, it's just flawless and it's just been so inspirational to so many people over the years and still is
0: Here's the thing, this is the point in the podcast where I now sulk because I've not been picked as the <laughs> winner etc however, you're clearly right <laughs> this, was, this was one of these difficult ones where it was, uh, we did this what, uh, what you may not know Val is what we did uh, in the build up to Wrestlemania was we did what we called our Wrestlemania mixtape well, we basically did this mm. this same game, but for for each WrestleMania. And given that I st- strongly pushed for Macho Man versus Randy, Ricky Steamboat for WrestleMania three, and got defeated because the judge that day picked Hogan versus Andre, I can hardly complain. <laughs> I can hardly yeah. complain now. Um, so it's clearly the uh, the right decision, and I will uh, raise a glass to uh, that particular. Oh, in fact, we haven't, Paul. We haven't done our regular. What's everyone drinking this evening, uh, part portion of the podcast? Well, I can tell you I'm on a uh, a rather nice Santa Julia Argentinian Malbec this evening. How about, how about you, sir?
1: Very nice. I've got uh, Morrison's own
0: brand, Pinot Grigio. <laughs> John, John Morrison's own brand. Wow.
2: That's a nice side. Yeah, I, I was going to get a nice, if I was being my usual self, I'd have a nice, very, very chilled, very cold glass of dry New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blanc. I do love a Pinot Grigio though as well too. I'm a bit of a wine racist it's usually only whites at my party but I do love a white wine but I'm just going to skim over that.
0: Yeah, well, well, think uh, that'll
2: get me some even here, um, even here he's picked white wine things and, things
0: I've, and I've picked red wine and you've still sided with him. I, I, I feel...
2: <laughs> I kind oh. of have sorry. <laughs>
0: <sighs> See, I, I thought red hair red wine I thought it might go nicely but never mind.
2: <laughs> oh
0: what okay like. <laughs> <laughs> uh listen so since we since we're talking some randy Savvy stuff, let's talk about some um, some other matches of his that stand out in the uh, in the process of i mean i didn't think it needed a lot of uh, uh research in coming up with some matches that were at the top of our list here but i did have a little flick through on the internet and some other um sort of hidden classics as it were and I came across a match which I watched from uh, Saturday night's main event, I think it was something like 1988-89, something like that, Was, was uh, you just mentioned him there Val, but Randy Savage versus Brett Hart, with Brett as a heel in the Hart Foundation era, on a Saturday night's main event, wow what a good match, and really before you know, Brett had really jumped out as a, as a main event talent, or at least an intercontinental title level talent, I, have you, are you guys familiar with that one, because I wasn't until this week, But what a good match.
2: I don't know if I've seen that one. Um, I, I, I was thinking of one I saw versus Jake Roberts that I think was on main event as well, but I don't know if I've seen the the one with um with Bret Hart. That's one for the network. I'll have to go see sometime. That sounds awesome.
0: Most definitely, because um I, I can tell you it warmed my heart to hear what you were saying about Bret in terms of him being the restless wrestler because he's absolutely Was Macho Man might be Paul's number one, but Bret Hart is my favorite of all time and. Um, I've had the privilege of, uh, of working with him and, and meeting him several times and whatever which has been the highlight of my career but um, certainly he's, he's my number one so um, with each of our wrestlers Paul, yours and mine wrestled each other on Saturday night's main event and it was a doozy, that uh, makes me very yeah. happy indeed.
1: Correct and you know there are so many matches that you could pick, pick from and not just matches but like you said earlier stories. You know, he's got the match against Ric Flair at WrestleMania 8, which was one of the most underrated WrestleMania matches of all time, but also came in with that brilliant Miss Elizabeth. She was with me before she was with you storyline. Absolutely superb. Um, Similarly, the following straight on from that was the Warrior storyline going into SummerSlam 92. Of course, there's the Jake Roberts story, which was the first story that I remember getting into as a wrestling fan and truly getting my teeth into for want of a better word um, I thought Jake Roberts was the baddest dude I'd ever seen in my entire life when I was a little 10 year old boy um, and then like you say the ongoing career long rival with Hogan it may, it's a podcast all in itself me talking about Randy Savage he's just, <laughs> like, like I say nobody combines amazing matches and amazing stories like Savage um, he's the greatest he's the greatest he does take a lot of boxes it's one
0: of those ones that if you if you're looking at absolutely everything that you need to bring to the industry as in uh, music and look and name and you know ability and promos and outfits and there is almost no one that you put at least no X against like you, you could always argue I mean as much I can argue Brett until the cows come home but I'm not going to give you necessarily that Brett was the greatest ever promo I loved his heel stuff in 97 when he was doing the heart Foundation but until then. Brett was never the greatest on the stick, but um, everyone's got a negative about them somewhere, with the possible exception of Shawn Michaels and Macho Man. I think they're the two that kind of... I'm not sure you can find anything against them, and so I will bow down on that that occasion. Um, I've just actually thought... Here's a new little strand, Paul, that we can bring to this segment. is um, Because we're going to be talking about people from various different eras, it means they would have missed over some people. So, Who, as number one Macho Man fan on this podcast right now... Who is the one person that you can think of, maybe from a modern era, that you would have loved to have seen? If you could take the very best macho man against the very best of someone in this era, who would you like to take him out of, let's say nineteen ninety, and place him in two thousand and seventeen, and have him wrestle?
1: Oh, maybe. Bobby Roode would be uh, superb. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a great question. Um, and if we were going, the obvious answer, the one that springs straight to mind, is AJ Styles, but. For, for, in terms of in ring it'd be a phenomenal one but I don't really see how the, you know, I, I don't really see there being massive dynamite, massive sparks in terms of a storyline. The one that springs to my mind as a current guy who would be absolutely phenomenal um, in terms of a storyline with, with Savage would be Kevin Owens. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that would, be good, that would be a good bit of style it's, clash as well, but yeah. would be a great antagonist against um, a, a face Randy Savage, I think. I think it would be really, really cool to see those two guys. Val, that I, think, would
0: be a- I think you jumped in and said Bobby Roode really quickly then. Is that what you said? That's a great idea as oh, well.
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I would think him. I would think Randy Orton as well. When you talk about – I'm glad you um, you mentioned um, – I, I kind of always use the term well-rounded wrestler, right? So to me um, – Randy's Randy's uh, very good example of that, but Bobby Roode I think is you know probably maybe the greatest wrestler in the world other than Kurt Angle, and you know I always put Bobby Roode and wow. Balor on the top of my best wrestler list. But I I will say that if I could add someone into that list of the, uh, you know you talked about Sean and. and um, macho man I think Kurt Angle is one of those guys I look at guys like that that are just I'm I'm talking can do everything and they do everything well they're the most adaptable superstars in the world Kurt Angle's a ref Kurt Angle's a manager Kurt Angle's on commentary Kurt Angle's funny with Stone Cold doing his his shtick he's a heel he's, he's he can do anything amazingly well he's wonderful with fans he's a good dude he's a fan. he takes every damn box twice and he i think what should be in that category of just the best i mean untouchable has that intangible quality and is a you know a good dude so i want to put it in that category but yeah i think macho man in his prime i'd love to see him versus bobby Roode. i think that would be just I think that it would implode. I think the arena would implode. It would be too spectacular for words. Um, w- j- just for my personal preference, I'd also love to see Jay Lethal versus Macho Man. But that's, that's also
1: because of what we've,
0: what
2: we've done, and I know he would love that. He does love him. And I ha- I worked with him when I was about 17, I believe. We worked for MachoMan.com. And we I was a manager working for him and his federation. It was not that... It was kind of short-lived. Uh, it was the Steve Kern Wrestling School in uh, Tampa, and he was really ahead of his time. He was trying to put wrestling matches on the internet, and nobody was doing that yet—not uh, the, the scale that he was trying to do. And um, I remember, I—I I don't know if I sprained it, but I hurt my wrist because he was—he came in to watch one day, and I was managing, and I thought, oh my god, you know, this is Macho Man—he's—he knows, he—he's you know, he, he's watching, he knows that I'm sitting here managing, and I was pounding the mat so hard I injured myself. <laughs> it was just—he was just an amazing guy, really nice, and uh, we had some really funny conversations. Um, and I was just so thrilled that I got to meet him never got to meet Miss Elizabeth but to meet him and, and to say I worked for him and I, I have really old hilarious photos of me doing a photo shoot on a beach in a macho man.com shirt he had a big macho man.com that was black and white we took photos with there's a couple maybe one photo of me with him and the group of us um, but just to say that that's something that in my career I can't believe I can say I did it's amazing to think about
0: that 's very cool, quickly on Steve yeah. Kern. Steve Kern added me on uh, as a contact on LinkedIn the other week, and uh, can I just say i 've never met Steve Kern in my life. I like him, but i 've never met him Steve, if you 're listening, give us a call and i 'll add you properly, but uh, we 've never met um, here 's my suggestion uh, for the uh, the macho man match that uh, that it may have happened at some level on but I doubt it, um, perhaps in the sort of uh, the latter 90s of uh, of WCW it might have been on somewhere but i 'm going to say. A top of his game macho man with Miss Elizabeth against the top of his game Triple H with Stephanie. Oh my God! Stop it! my, now, heart,
1: my heart can't take it.
0: I, 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 I know what audience. I'm, that's for a bit of an audience of one that happens to be on the end of the line at the moment. But genuinely, that would be the most wonderful combination of characters in in one match at the same time. That would be. Uh, I would have to go with that. I think as my. I would love because I always say that. 2000 era, the, the year 2000 heel Triple H is possibly the finest heel character that was ever going, I loved him in that era, he could he <gasps> yeah, could, he could could work, he could um, he had the, the brilliant egotist um, character but he could back it up and you still hated him and that's a real difficult quality in a heel to be one that's credible but you still hate, you talked just oh about, a minute ago about Kevin Owens Paul you know Oh, it's a different era I'll grant you it's 17 years on but you know Owens is almost too good these days and he's so good that people cheer him as great a heel as he is, I wish Kevin Owens was 20 years older because he'd have been so much better in the late 90s when people actually booed heels but Triple H in 2000 perfect and if you could just drop the, uh, the late 90s macho uh, so early 90s macho man in there you'd have a real dream I think
2: Okay, okay, Rob. I'm gonna have to change all of my answers to whatever you say goes because you just became my <laughs> new favorite. Yes. Let me tell you something. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all freaking time is Triple H, and I honestly don't even bring it up bring it up that much in, in interviews anymore because people always whoa. They just kind of dog me. I talking about well-rounded wrestlers. I think he can do no wrong. I am the biggest Triple H fan in the world. Obviously Stephanie being involved as well, but even if she weren't, I mean, just his. He is just, I think, he's, he's just my favorite. Has always been my favorite since I started watching. I've loved every evolution of Triple H. I've, I've forgave him for the denim on top of the leather on top of the denim on top of the leather jacket. <laughs> he is the best wrestler ever, and I, and I always like. I'm telling you, even on Twitter, I'm just like afraid to say it. They went, oh, what do you mean he's not the Rock? He's not this, and I'm like, listen, he's, he's my, he's my Stephanie McMahon is my personal Jesus, and he's my. Close seconds, so yeah, kudos. I'm so glad you mentioned that, and because that's the thing, I was in love with wrestling uh, around like I don't know. I think my 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 peak of really being like obsessed was like 2000 2001. So that is that you understand why now that I would love Triple H in that era. Oh my god!
0: I'd always tell you that as good as the Attitude Era was in the Monday Night War. the early days of it with Austin McMahon I'll always tell you that to me 2000 was the best year in WWE that's my oh, okay. personal opinion I'll that it's always been my well, favourite year
2: but that's what's funny about it is it's like art in the, in the way that it's subjective because people the thing is You you can't really argue with fans, though I've tried. You can't really argue with fans and say like, oh, this was the best era. No, this was the best era. What's so cool about wrestling is the best era in wrestling was the one that made you a fan. So you'll meet people and they'll say, oh, the 80s. Nothing's going to be like the 80s. Well, it won't. But to me, my favorite era was the early 2000s. The invasion angle was like, I mean, that was I wanted to be those girls. I wanted to be the divas on the Caribbean, you know, DVDs, whatever. And that to me is the best. And you can't, you know, you, you almost, you have to, I have to remind myself, like people say, oh, I love this right now. And I'm like, what? But you couldn't have told me at, you know, 15 that I you didn't love that story and it was stupid because I loved it I lived for it. So when I see people now that are young, I'm like, I don't really understand a lot of why they like certain things. But it's just, that's their era. And they're going to look back and that they're going to think that right now, now is the best time in wrestling. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool that art is subjective in that way? And, yes, I'm referring to wrestling as art. Again, more <laughs> hate mail. <laughs> no, not on this show. Yeah, <laughs>
0: true. I will say I'm uh... – I don't want to get too much into this sort of sympathetic. by the way Paul you can knock off and go to bed if you like because all I'm going to do is now just go agree with more of Val's opinions because it's the in, Triple H podcast in two in 2008 When TNA came over here for the first time, and that was in Liverpool, actually, as it it goes, a bit of a Liverpool podcast, the very first time you came over here, I remember uh, turning to uh, someone that both of you know, and uh, the people out out listening might not know, but uh, Stephen Godfrey, who was working for TNA at the time, and I remember Mm -hmm. turning turning to him and referring to Bobby Roode, and I referred to Bobby as Mr. Almost Perfect because he reminded me so much of Kurt Hennig in the best way and so many others and I remember Godfrey saying I'm going to tell him that and I believe he did but I was I was a Bobby Roode fan in 2008 and I have never shut up about him about being
1: interesting actually I remember on many occasions you've referred to Bobby Roode as being Triple H if he was three inches shorter well, we well, totally. Yeah, that's true. H. We, we
0: in the early days when we did Hooked on Wrestling magazine, it was a short-lived thing. And um, we had a, a segment in there which was called Recipe of a Wrestler, and we featured Bobby Roode in there, and we talked about how he the three I think we said the four main composites of Bobby Roode were Rick Roode, his namesake, um, mm-hmm. Mr. Perfect, Triple H, and Ric Flair. That was the combination that makes you Rick uh, makes you Bobby Roode. And, and I think it's a very, very good cocktail that's made um, someone that I'm so chuffed as where well he's got to. Because I've interviewed, Bob- I wouldn't say we we don't know each other necessarily, but I've interviewed Bobby loads and loads and loads of times on his uh, on his career, mostly when he was working for, for Impact Wrestling. And it was usually at my behest I wanted to speak to him because I always thought he was so good. And I wanted to take every opportunity I could to put his name out there as someone that was so good. And um, I think at the end of the day, a piece of music has helped him to get as far as he is. But mainly, it's his talent, and however long it's taken, and however short-lived it may be in NXT or WWE main roster or whatever, it is so cool for Bobby to be where he is, because he's always been an ultra-nice guy to me, and I think he's a hell of a talent. I kind of wish it had happened five or six years earlier, but still, the fact that he's got there, I never thought he would do, because of various different things, so... I'm, I never thought so either, and
2: I, I'm I really didn't, and I kind of I don't want to say lost hope, but I remember I was kind of saying to him for years, like you, you know, you just make sense there, and he, um, like you said, recipe for wrestler. I love that because if you could if you could fa- in a factory make the perfect wrestler, it's Bobby Roode. It is a hundred percent in any in any aspect. Same thing with promos and things, anything he does, interviews, he's just amazing. And he, um, <laughs> I have to tell you, first of all, isn't it weird that his his name really is Bobby Roode, and it's not. Because of Rick Rude, because yeah. I thought that was the weirdest thing. They're so similar. Yeah. So like he, but he, it's really his name, which I thought was very weird. And it was Rick. Best and it was Rick Rude's rude. name too.
0: Rick Rude wasn't. Oh, was, was it? it? The, yeah. I think he was R O O D, uh, wow, and not funny. the R U D E that he used, and not the E that Bobby has in the end. But both of them's real name wow. is Rude. Yeah.
2: I don't think I knew that. That's it's amazing though, and he he is very. Rick Rude, like he's very Mr. Perfect, like, and but yeah, he's he's very much Triple H, which probably makes sense as to why I would you know think so highly of him because he's he's what I'm what I love about the the classic wrestler. But I have to tell you the funniest Bobby Rude story because I feel like people <laughs> people that have met Bobby or that haven't, whatever. Um, I always tell this story because it's just classic Bobby Rude, like, what when he, he's one of those people he doesn't talk, he doesn't just talk excessively. Christian from Edge and Christian, meaning Christian, is like that too, where he's just their timing is so good because they just they, they choose their words almost kind of carefully they're kind of intense people especially Bobby and there's one of our producers one of the funniest guys ever his name's Eric Tompkins uh, was, was sitting next to someone else another producer Bobby Roode walks past and, he, and I'll have to edit it with the language but
0: no you can't you're fine, you're fine on this show don't I worry
2: I'm trying to be a lady because it's kind of a bad word but so Eric, Eric is sitting there with the other producer and Bobby Roode walks by and Eric says loud enough for Bobby to hear but kind of covertly he goes Man, there goes Bobby Roode What would it be like to wake up every morning and be Bobby Roode And Bobby stopped, and he cocked his head to the side, and he over his shoulder he said, "It's pretty effing awesome." Just <laughs> kept walking. <laughs> it's like he just, you know, he's he's not not a cocky person, but he just he knows. I you mean, know? he's just he's fully aware of his awesomeness, and he's so confident and in, in the nicest way still. But just the the most amazing. So yeah, proud of him as well.
0: And also, just a little, we felt we feel like we're doing more Bobby Roode than um, than Macho Man here, so I'll, we'll curtail it in a second. But um, mm-hmm. Beer Money, if that gimmick could have been done in WWE, it would be one of the biggest tag teams of all time. I swear. I mean, it was big in it was big in TNA. A great time for tag teams when you had you had LAX and the uh, the Motor City Machine Guns and various other really great teams. But I love the team of Beer Money. Those two were so different, but complemented each other so perfectly. And you know, I really didn't care for the for the breakup and everything that happened with that. I didn't that wasn't my thing, but when those boys were together, what a what a great fun gimmick that was.
1: Oh, superb tag team. And it's it's funny, like looking back at that tag team division, it was so deep and you didn't really you took it for granted a bit at the time. I remember actually my first day in TNA was at the um the show in Essex when they did the UK tour and James Storm came up to me and he was chatting away, he, like I didn't know him at all. I was just a fan at the time, and he's like we think we're going to call the team beer money but the management don't like it what do you think I'm like yeah I'd have, told, I'd have said yeah fantastic whatever he said he could have said anything I was just like yeah whatever it's great they and got thank god. they didn't like it TNA management didn't like the name at first and thank god uh, Bobby and, um, and James got their own way and they got the name because that was such an iconic team and you're right if that had been in WWE, we'd have been talking about that team forever. Here's a bit of trivia, for, here's a bit of trivia for you, Paul. I have been present at the, uh,
0: the start of two teams, uh, one of which I was at the show in Liverpool where they got teamed together for the very first time. And you're right, a couple of days later, that was in Brentwood where they were on the same tour uh, and they were um, becoming a team and that's when the beer money thing started. But their first night as a team was in Liverpool. And the following summer, I think it was, or maybe in the same year, um, Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards tagged together for the very first time in Wolverhampton, England and that is <laughs> there
2: that was. is There's why right there.
0: that is why they are the American Wolves because they first teamed in Wolverhampton how about that? that I, is I, trivia, I had no I, idea and I was at both of those shows, I'm very privileged that I was at both of those shows wow, well, like and
2: I have to say, but going back to beer money I, you know, I I think it would have done amazingly well in WWE's, I think that, that's a good point point, but at the same time, you know, in a way, some people talk about it coming to WWE now, but I think it would be a huge step back for for Bobby and not in the sense that it's because of anything in detriment to Storm, it's just that I think right now with his singles push, I think he doesn't need to, you know, wrestlers always want to be on their own, so to go back in a if they had if they had debuted as beer money, great, and then Bobby could have gone off on his own. But I think now, I mean, maybe in several years'
1: time, maybe. But
2: at this time, I think it would just kind of mess up his singles push, and I'm sure Storm would like his singles push as well. I, 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 so. I, I
1: agree. I agree. Well, I like to. See in that. a way,
2: we kind of saw the best time, and that's
1: it. I, I like to see James Storm come in as one of the one of Bobby's challenges of the month. You know, comes in, takes him on at Takeover, to their history. Bobby wins again. Um, I think it'd be a great story to tell. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. That would Good be, timing that, and stuff.
0: That would be pretty cool to fit in. And yeah, and also with beer money in the WWE, if there's anything they do poorly, WWE, it's tag teams because. American Alpha is the best tag team I've seen in 10 years and they're not doing anything with them so if they can't work something with American yeah. Alpha they wouldn't be able to do beer money So um, uh, yeah. and absolutely Bobby deserves the, deserves the spotlight himself um, which he's got quite a lot of today uh, we'll come back to him I'm sure on a, on a future episode maybe in a couple of years time when he's had a world title reign and we'll do the best of times worst of times for Bobby Roode but uh, for now we've done um, Macho Man we didn't really do any worst of times but I don't think it's fair to I think he's that he good. doesn't have any
2: I'm not, sure I'm
0: not sure there's any really I think Oh, rap album, right? Pardon? You have heard that rap album? Yeah, the rap album. That's what we'll put down as the worst. Well, a bad decision to bring out a rap album, silly boy, Randy. But other than that, uh, we can't <laughs> really find any fault with him. Um, what it now leaves us to do is that uh, when we uh, when we join you next time, hopefully next week, uh, here on the Hooked On podcast, we'll need a new subject. Uh, to discuss the best of times and the worst of times with and it's down to you Val to give us a, a topic for next time so from the uh, plethora of, of superstars that have been around the wrestling industry um, it is your choice, so you can go with someone that you were a fan of, you can go with someone that you uh, are friends with you can go with someone you looked up to um, bear in mind, um, Paul's mentioned a lot of the ones we've already done, so we've already done Mick Foley, Edge, The Hardy Boys Lex Luger, Vader, Bret Hart I think that's basically the list um, so um, if, uh, if you say one that we've already done I'll tell you but other than that your call for who we do next time
2: I immediately want to go to my favorite obscure wrestler Steve Blackman but <laughs> I fear
0: <laughs> okay. but
2: I fear that you might have trouble finding you know some of his matches I also want to go retro and go to my favorite of all time Jerry Taylor who I love But again, matches might be limited. So I'm going to go. I didn't hear you mention this name. So I'm going to go with somebody that just as a treat to go through his matches. I mean, just because it's amazing. I mean, hey, pour yourself some Pinot Grigio or some red wine or whatever you fancy. And, you know, walk through the amazing career of one Rob Van Dam. I mean, I, I don't know how he hasn't made the list yet. He is the, you know, one of the most impressive stars ever and hilarious and one of my buddies. So I think that would be a really
1: exciting one what do you think i like that uh, i like that a lot Very... rvd
0: let's go with that rvd so it's uh scv chooses rvd that's for ne- right for next time oh, that's a really great choice someone that we can discuss uh that's been around a long time i mean, still still active in some ways picks and chooses his uh, his spots but has been around since uh, the mid 90s really doing the uh, we could go to his ECW stuff. I don't think there's going to be too much Robbie V from WCW on this list, but uh, <laughs> ECW and, w- and WWE and some TNA stuff in there as well. Certainly, they. Uh, yeah. he made a big splash when he first arrived over there in uh, in Impact just after Hogan
1: and Bischoff. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of we can uh, talk about there, Paul. Yep, looking forward to that. I've, I've already got three or four bubbling around in my brain. I really choose. A good, fun project. Ooh, wow. Yeah, well, he,
2: like I said, he's, he's a really great guy. What the weirdest thing is, you mentioned, you know, Some of his earlier stuff, he looks the same. I don't know. It's like he's found the damn fountain of youth. It's it's frightening. But he is—he's one of the most recognizable stars. It's crazy because whenever any of us are out, like he is—he is the most recognizable. I mean, I've done shows even with Mick Foley and, and Hogan, and I don't know why, but RVD is just always recognized by fans. It's the craziest thing, and and loved by so many fans. And he's done a lot of cool things in the past few years. A lot of movies he did one with Steven Seagal. He did comedy tours. Like, he's he's somebody who's always always up to something. So, um, yeah, and, and a good friend. So I hope that you will enjoy
0: his his amazing array of matches. I mean, there's so much to choose from. I will say this about RVD. He's someone that, um, and this is a. An ill informed opinion from me, but someone that I'd enjoyed watching uh, for many years, but always thought, I bet he's a bit of a prick in real life. And then, you know, all of those, um, when you used to come over for the uh, the UK tours over here in the UK, um, mm-hmm. Val, the last night was often Wembley, wasn't it? And there was a bit of a you know, sort of free bar sponsors and media and stuff around it in, in Wembley, we'd all have a drink and I met uh, Rob for the first time at one of those kind of things, and what a nice guy. Fabulous guy. I, right? I, I only chatted to him for sort of five, five or ten minutes, oh. but uh, a friend of mine that was there was a huge fan of his, so I made a bit of a point of going over and introducing him to her, and she, she was a big fan, and just what a nice guy. I was super impressed with him. It's the only time I've met him, never interviewed him, um, but uh, I was uh, hugely impressed with him as a, as a man on that uh, on that occasion, and of course, his, uh, his record and his... Uh, uh, his set of matches speaks for itself so um, Paul I'm looking forward to uh, debating you on uh, the very best and worst in a little sense but the, mainly the best of Rob Van Dam when we come back next time well we just need to make sure we get a good adjudicator for that one indeed yeah that's, uh, <laughs> it's up to us to try and find someone for that and very quickly before we wrap up Paul just give us a little quick rundown Uh, on some places because in the next couple of months we're only a couple of weeks away now two and a bit weeks away from our Bruce Pritchard tour something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard here in the UK coming over for the first time four shows Paul's going to give you a very quick rundown of those and where you can get tickets and then just one more time rattle through all ten cities for um, SummerSlam and those tickets as well because uh, that's what he's here for. He's the he's the Don West of this podcast to get through all of the shillings. So off you go, Paul.
1: All right, well I'll make this quick because we need, we've got to let Val go. We're already running way over. So yeah, we've got um we've got a uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard tour coming up. Tickets are going really well, especially now the media is really kicking in and people are starting to take much more notice of it. We've got four shows coming up. We kick off in Dublin on Saturday the 15th of July at the uh, Woolshed Bar and Grill. Uh, you can get well tickets said. for that show from biletto.ie. That's B-I-L-L-E-T-T-O oie Then we go to England, and we, uh, we're in Birmingham at uh, Around the World Bar on the 16th, Sunday the 16th of July, on to Manchester for the Comedy Store, um, for uh, Tuesday, uh, Monday the 17th, and then we end the tour in London, at Walkabout, on the 18th of July. That's the Tuesday. Um, you can buy tickets. You can get your general admissions, your VIPs, or your platinum VIPs if you're quick, Um, from two places you can go to hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store or you can go to Ringside World to get those tickets Fabulous stuff Um, it's
0: very very close we're really looking forward to the uh, to the brew stuff and like um, like Paul says VIP on all fronts um, unbelievably limited now. We've increased a couple on a couple of venues just to make sure that uh, we get as many of you in as possible because there's been some demand but there is very very limited left so uh, make sure you get yourself in. We are really excited to uh, to welcome Bruce over uh, in just a couple of weeks. Something to wrestle with and lots of the topics that we've talked about in tonight's podcast including the Mega Powers big long Bruce Pritchard podcast so if you've never listened to Bruce's show you really should. It's fascinating from some of the stuff behind the scenes. Uh, and just quickly Paul SummerSlam obviously that's a little bit after uh, the Brew stuff and we've already talked about it but just one last time rattle through those cities and where people can get tickets and information
1: yeah cool mate no problem so again same place as the Pritchard tour you can go to ringsideworld.co.uk or hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store um, tickets on sale now for London uh, Bournemouth Liverpool Cardiff Nottingham Birmingham, Sheffield, Derby Manchester and Leeds wow I've really got that down well um, you get all those tickets now um, we might even end up announcing another venue or two in the next week really? Stay tuned to our wow. social media. yeah you never know these things are go- they're going like wildfire I'm literally getting an inquiry every day from a bar or a city asking to come and host these. It's, it's a case of us making sure the venue's good and we've got capacity as a business to service it because we don't want to do shoddy work but we, we could put 40 of these on across the country if if we had the capacity so uh really sure for that
0: fantastic stuff so obviously obviously the main two events are first of all in liverpool where Val is hosting and secondly in London where I am hosting but I'm sure the other eight will be jolly good as well um, so get yourself along to any one of our events if you've not been before it's not just turn up and watch the pay-per-view get yourself there nice and early in the evening we've got the famous Hooked On Wrestling Quiz you can come dressed as your favourite wrestler I mean, you can join in our fancy dress competition it, as we always say it is, not, um, it is not essential it is encouraged most people will come along in their favourite wrestling t-shirt and some jeans and just enjoy the night but if you want to go the whole hog, dress as someone, do the full gimmick, this is your opportunity. Um, like I said, so there'll be that, the quiz, there'll be some wrestling matches on screens depending on what uh, venue you're in, some wrestling themes. And obviously all of our hosts, including me and Val, but everyone that's uh, hosting, fully versed on all of the stuff. So they'll be able to join in with you and make it a good interactive night all the way up until the bell rings. Uh, at midnight for SummerSlam and then we've got around about four hours of top action as well so it's well worth getting along it is like I say it's not just watching the pay-per-view it's a great night all told I'll be doing my thing Val will be doing hers and we would like to say a massive thank you to Val for uh, coming on the podcast uh, we've, we've had a ball talking to you I hope you've had fun with us and uh, just good luck in Liverpool I'm sure you're going to do a fantastic job Thank you. I'm so
2: excited about it and to meet everyone there and we'll have to all get together and, and swap stories from that because it's going to be a great night and I so appreciate um, whoever's going to come and, and uh, yeah if you want to keep up with, with the with the show and with whatever I'm doing I'm on Twitter at SoCalValerie, and of course check out Fight TV as well and let me know what you think but Liverpool is going to be an amazing time and I could not think of a better way to watch SummerSlam than with some new UK friends so I'll see you guys there.
0: Yeah, I think, Paul, maybe, uh, maybe a hooked-on wrestling Christmas party should be in the off-in. What do you think? We can all uh, get together and debrief there and have a, a few cocktails at it, Christmas. It's definitely being considered, mate. Watch this space good stuff okay maybe we'll run a competition that uh, one person can come along we'll see Um, (laughs) uh, thank you Paul for your company as ever thank you Val for being a tremendous guest and uh, a good judge even if you didn't pick my match but let's face it that was a good good decision Um, and uh, thank you to everyone for listening as ever sorry it's been a little break between uh, mine and Paul's holiday but we are back now back with a vengeance and loads going on over the next couple of weeks so keep it here on Hooked On on social media and on the podcast We'll see some of you at Bruce. We'll see plenty of you at SummerSlam. But we'll also see you next week here on the podcast. And remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. We'll see you soon.